right, so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. We'll get as far as the Lord allows. The Lord controls my voice. So if it gives out, that is the intention uh, of the Lord, and we will take and worship with whatever uh, we can get. So this week, this week we're back into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we sort of moved through its, its various petitions, because again, the desire in looking at what is prayer is to see what does the Bible tell us uh, prayer is. And so as we've seen, you know, this sort of asking the Lord for things, here we get Jesus showing us, you know, what type of things should I ask God? You know, I, I remember when I was, you know, first a believer and learning to pray and I was like, can I ask God for this? Can I ask God for this? You know, what's, is, is it okay to even come to, maybe this is too little, this is too big, like what sort of things do I even pray about and pray for? Well, here Jesus actually gives us a, a pretty good list of things like, hey, this is what you ask your heavenly father. These are, this is what you can come to your heavenly father and ask him, uh, ask him for. And so we've moved through uh, so far. We ask that his name would be holified. We ask that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and then we saw the, the second table of these prayers, as we call it, where we go from praying about him, his name, his kingdom, his will. The second half of the Lord's Prayer, that second table, then moves to us, both us as individuals and us as a body. Uh, remember, the Lord's Prayer is not necessarily an individual prayer. It is an us prayer, uh, intentionally so by Christ. And so we pray that he would give us our daily bread this day. And then we saw that he would, we just finished, that he would forgive us our debts, which we love to pray. Uh, and then we see the harder second half, which is as we have forgiven our debtors, which again is the only part of the Lord's Prayer that has an expectation on our part uh, in, in order for the Lord to answer. And even more so that we're already doing this before we even pray this. Uh, and of course, Jesus is going to stress the importance of this in verses 14 and 15. And we, we saw that. And, but now we're on. So that's five. That's five requests from the mouth of the Lord. Five things that Jesus tells you, hey, ask the Father this. Go to the Father and ask Him these things. This is what you pray. You want to know what to ask God. You want to know what can I go to God and ask Him for. Lord, teach us what to ask. Teach us what to pray. Here it is. These are the things. And so you've seen five things. You've five things you can confidently bring to the Lord. You can know that your Heavenly Father told you to ask Him for these things. Now we're on to the sixth and the seventh one. The sixth and the seventh thing that the son says, ask the father for this. The son tells us what to ask the father for. Our father, his father, our father. And we see them in verse 13. So let's stand together in the honor of reading God's word. We'll read the whole uh, prayer here. Uh, and then we'll look uh, in this, at this final, this final verse. Jesus tells his, his disciples, those uh, on the, at the Sermon on the Mount, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this prayer. 
I thank you for allowing us to ask you anything. I thank you that you don't just make yourself our savior. You, you make yourself our father and we your children. And then you tell your children to ask you for things. You instruct us. You tell us to. And then you tell us what things to ask. So, Father, I'm thankful for these words. I pray that these words and these requests would shape uh, our own desires in this world, our own desires for ourselves, and that we would trust you more and more and come to you more and more with these things. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here we are. We're on to the, the sixth and the seventh one here. And the two really, they really go together. So some people even say that what we really have is just one, just one request, sort of building off some sort of Hebrew parallelism here, because they really do. They, they play off of each other. So, so what are we asking the Lord for this, this final thing? These final two things that, that are definitely going to be, be paired together. What sort of things are asking? Verse 13, that's what we're looking at today. Look at what it says. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't, so the last thing we're asking God, God, don't lead us into temptation. Instead, God, deliver us from evil. So don't lead us into temptation. Instead, deliver us from evil. Now, why, why are we asking this of God? Why are we asking him not to lead us into temptation? Is that, is that even a possibility? Is this something that, that if we don't ask God, that, that, that he does? Would God even do this? You know, and really, what is temptation? What is evil that we're being delivered from? What are we asking when we pray this? When we ask God not to lead us into temptation, what is temptation? What is God doing in it? And then what is evil, the evil that we need to be delivered from? We'll we'll take a look at all those questions. We're going to look at all those things when we sort of break down these uh, requests, these these final two requests here that we're commanded to ask of our Father. Today, we're going to look at that first part. Today, we're going to look at the Christian and temptation. We're going to look at the Christian and temptation. Why would one of the things that we ask the Lord of all the things that we could ask our Heavenly Father, why is one of those things something that is do not lead us into temptation? Why is that one of the requests? Because it seems, if you're going through this, it seems like this is a wasted prayer, right? Like, don't lead me into temptation. God, like, I'm, I would, I'm not going to, I would never do that. Uh, like, why, why are we asking uh, this? Of course, he's not going to lead us into temptation. But what does that even mean? What is that even saying when we, when we say, and it shouldn't surprise us that, of course, God is either going to do or not. All of these prayers up to this point have been things that God already says. Remember that he is going to do, has already done, and will continue to do in the future. Every one of these requests that we ask of God, he's always done, he is doing, and he will do. Then uh, the same thing, God never leads us into temptation. He's not leading us into temptation now. He won't lead us into temptation in the future. This is all prayers that God has already always answered for his people. So, of course, just like all the others, this is not a wasted prayer. It's not a wasted prayer to look at this and go, don't leave me a temptation and go, I, I mean, I know that's silly. Uh, of course, you'd never do that. Uh, we need, we're supposed to learn something from this request. 
There's supposed to be a depth to the fact that we can even say, yeah, and he'll never do that. Now, one of the things we've got to get is we're so used to this. But if you've grown up in a pagan culture, God leading you, one of your gods leading you into temptation is very much a reality. Uh, anybody who likes reading Greek myths or Roman myths or, you know, North myth, Norse mythology, their gods are always always leading them into I mean Loki right it's what he does uh it's what they it's what some of them do is to is to be tricksters and lead you you read about the Greek gods and 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 these pagan gods are are filled with this idea of a god who would lead you into evil so one of the things I want to start out with before we even delve into it is recognizing yeah this is a prayer we don't have to fear God not answering just like all the others but that's amazing that's who our god is it's compared to the gods of this world the fact that our god would never lead us into evil actually distinguishes the one true god from the gods of the nations so it's an amazing thing that we go yeah he would never do that that in in the history of humankind all the false god because what do they do when they create a false god they create them a lot like themselves and so when they create these false gods, these false gods are often just as fallen as they are. Whether it's uh, the gods of Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, whatever they are, uh, Greek mythology, I mean, all, any pagan, I mean, all these false religions, their gods are just as broken as they are. This is what makes our gods stand out. The fact that you can pray this and know that this, is, this, is, this isn't a wasted prayer in that you know, if you don't pray it, he's, he's not, he's going to lead you into temptation. It's not that. It's that God is holy and would never in his holiness and love lead you into evil. That one, I just want to start out like if just the fact that you can pray this and go, God would never do that. Right. That right there should be enough today to cause you to worship for the rest of your life. The fact that your God will never lead you to do evil, but will instead deliver you from it. That's who our God is. And in the history of mankind, there has only been one like him. So do not lead us in temptation is not a wasted prayer, but what is it? What is, what is uh, temptation? That's what we're going to start out with. What is temptation? We're asking God not to lead us into temptation. What is temptation even uh, at all? What are we asking God to not uh, do? Well, to understand temptation, we've got to understand first the words that God uses. Uh, the words that we translate here, temptation. So, the, so the, it's funny, the words for temptation in both the Old Testament and the New Testament are, are quite similar. And they're both equally interesting. They, they both are, are built off the same uh, idea. We'll, t- we'll talk about the New Testament word here because that's where we're, uh, we're at. But the same, the same is going to be everything I'm going to say about the, the Greek word or the New Testament word is going to be true about the Hebrew word uh, as well. They, they, they have a, a wide range of meanings, but all of them center around one idea. When you see the word temptation in both the Old Testament, the New Testament uh, is going to center around uh, this idea of sort of stretching the bounds of something. 
uh, of, of finding something's limits. So the words themselves used in the Old Testament and the New Testament are both words for stretching. Words for uh, finding what something can take. So, for example, the, the, the result is you have this word translated temptation here. You have this word translated a multitude of ways uh, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament all around that same idea. So, for example, uh, in the New Testament, this New Testament word can mean uh, to try something as, if to, as in to try and do something. Right? You're, this would be like you're testing yourself. You're going to try it. You're going to stretch your bounds. Can I do this? I'm going to try to do it. So, for example, Acts 26, 21. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Now, this is the same word translated temptation uh, in the Lord's Prayer here. But you can see that wouldn't make any sense to say the Jews seized me in the temple and tempted to kill me. Uh, But what do you see? attempted to kill me. So you can see even the word temptation is going to be built off the same idea. We just lose the etymology. Anyway, so what's the idea? They are trying to do something. There's a stretching toward something, a reaching toward, a pushing of the bounds, which is why another way that this word is translated in your New Testament is test, to test something. Sort of, it's also translated trial. Right? So if you see the word test, or you see the word trial, like when you're testing something, what are you doing? You're running it through a trial. There's the word try. Let's try this on this thing. Let's give it a trial. Let's test it. Let's see what its limits are. So, for example, the Pharisees are always testing Jesus. They're seeing his limits. Mark chapter 8, verse 11. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him, to try him, to tempt him. Finding his limits. Mark 10, 2. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, again, same word, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? So what are the Pharisees doing? The Pharisees are seeing the limits of Jesus. This guy who has, remember, seeing his limits is something that the Pharisees have all, they've always been amazed by his limits. When they first meet Jesus, everyone is shocked by the authority that he has and the command that he has over the word of God. And they're, they're through the rest of Jesus' life, really the rest of their life, they are testing his limits. They're wanting to see this, this boy who's amazed us since he was 12, continues to amaze us. Let's test him. Let's see what his limits are. Let's ask him a question none of us have been able to answer, right? Let's, let's ask him this question about divorce. Let's ask him for a sign. Let's do whatever. Let's find the limits to this guy. Let's see if we can get him to fail. See what his edges are. Of course, they are never able to. This is the word used to describe Abraham's faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, when Abraham was tested. First Peter talks about fiery trials. D- different word, different word. So don't go trials. Oh, that's the same word. No, different word, sorry. Uh, fiery trials that test us. Normally when you see the word trial, it is the same word. This time it's not here in First Peter. But you get First Peter 4.12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. 
this fiery thing that comes upon you to test you as if something strange were happening to you. So the word can mean to, you know, you're testing yourself to try and do something. You're testing someone or something. You're finding its limits. But the word does also mean to tempt. The idea being this tempt has, because you, again, we see the connection between all the words because you, you tempt, so you can attempt something. The idea we carry behind temptation is to try and get someone to, to do something and to fail, specifically to sin. So when, when you see it translated this, when you see it translated tempt, what people are often picking out in temptation is someone is wanting someone not just to test the limits of it. They are testing in order for this thing to fail and specifically to fail in committing sin. So when we use the word tempt, that's normally what we mean. Not just to test something, not just to run something through a trial, but to try and get something to sin. So, if you, so when you're reading through your Bibles and you see the word test or the word trial or the word tempt or temptation, you're, you're seeing it's going to be this word. It's almost always going to be the same word that you see here, lead us not into temptation there uh, in, in the Lord's prayer. All of them mean the, mean the same thing. It is to, to test something. The, the difference, as we're going to see, is just the various intentions behind the test. So either you're, you're testing yourself, you're testing someone, or you, or you have a wicked purpose in the testing, which we would then translate as tempt normally, to tempt. But there's not a different word in the Greek. There's not a different word from to test and to tempt. It's all the same word. Context is what decides what English word we put. Uh, But in the Greek, it's all the same. It's all the same uh, uh, word. So uh, normally, if I'm in my my translation of of the New Testament, whenever I'm doing it, I always prefer to, to translate this word when it's used as test. Uh, or trial, because that's the most basic. If, if we use a word like tempt, it, it gets loaded with the intention behind the testing. So you could go back and you could say they weren't trying to test Jesus, they were trying to tempt him. And I would go, okay, but to use the word tempt, normally for us, it's got a specific understanding, which is to tempt someone to sin, is how we tend to use it. So I always just translate it as test or trial, so that uh, then I realize I have to put my own. So I don't want to load my interpretation into, into every word and say, oh, there's an evil intention behind this. I know that. I just, use the, I just try to use the, the Bible sort of plain uh, Jane sort of test, uh, test or trial there. So again, it, it, you may see this word translated as try. In your Bible, you'll see it translated as try, attempted, tested, trials, temptations, to tempt. They're all the same word. Context is going to guide us into how to view that word, how to see that word. But uh, these are all, uh, so they are all the same, the same word in the actual Greek. We just put our own sort of context onto it to, to give a, a more full or what we think would be a more appropriate understanding that might be lost if we just use the word test. So if you put this into this verse, you know, it is, it would be lead us not into testing, but deliver us from evil. And I think a, a more plain reading of it is lead us not into testing, but delivers from evil. But why is temptation appropriate? Because what are we being tested to do? We're being tested to commit evil. 
which is why I think temptation is, is also totally fine. So, so that's when you're, when you're wanting to understand what is, what is temptation. That's what temptation is. Temptation is a stretching of you. It is a pulling. It is a testing of your limits. So when Jesus says here, lead us not into temptation, lead us not into this testing. Lead us not into this thing that is going to stretch me, that is going to pull me to the limit that I might break, and specifically my breaking would be a committing of sin. Not just my my not just a not just a, a, a testing out of a of a mug or a testing out of a product or a testing me in my you know how am I doing in my Latin, not anything like that. What this is is do not lead me into this into this thing that will stretch me more than I can bear and in the end might lead to my sin. So when you're asking what is temptation, that's what biblically, when you see the word translated temptation, that's the Bible word behind it. You're stretching a stretching of you a testing of your limits and so when anyone was reading it in the greek that's what they'd see they'd see that word and they'd see the stretchiness that temptation is it is something that pulls you to the breaking point now if you've ever tested something and you've gotten right to the point where you're like i think if i go just a little bit more it is going to break and so if you're a boy what you do is you go a little bit more. <laughs> if you're a girl, you go, okay, that's probably its limits. I'll stop there. If you're a boy, you're like, bring me a cheater pipe. You know, <laughs> let's see. Let's get some real torque on this puppy and see what happens. That's the picture, though. When you see the word temptation, that's the picture. You are being stretched. And so when you say, lead us not into temptation. You're saying, don't lead me into this testing. Don't lead me into this trial. Don't lead me into a thing that is going to stretch me beyond what I can take uh, and lead specifically to my sin. So, so toward evil. I don't want to be stretched and end up committing evil. I'm going to need you to deliver me from it. But that's the, when you read about temptations, that's the, the good word picture behind it. It is a stretching of you. Temptations are moments where you are spiritually stretched, where you're going to find out what your limit is. And you will either hold firm or you will break and commit a sin. But the temptation is the stretching. It is the finding of your limits. And I just, I love that word picture because when I think about my own temptations, it is almost as if I can feel myself stretching and I can feel myself getting to the point where I almost just give in, right? It's like, You fight sin, you fight sin, you fight the temptation, and eventually you just let go and you give in. And I've seen it, I see it just as a pastor. I see it in in our lives. I see it in relationships where we feel like a relationship is being stretched and I'm being stretched. And she, pastor, she's stretching me, right? She's tempting me. Uh, She's, she's making, and I don't know if I can take it. What are we saying? We're saying, I feel my limits coming. I I can see the tink, 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 tink of the cracks. I remember one time uh, we had borrowed a Pyrex dish from Megan uh, and I was cooking something and I turned on the wrong burner, which 
They give you pictures on the stove to show you what burners you're going to turn on when you move this handle. But I turned on the wrong one. I, was trying to, I think I was trying to make tea or something, uh, something real manly like that. I was trying to make chili. Uh, and oh, so I was probably making tea. Uh, and I came back into the kitchen, and underneath Megan's Pyrex dish was a giant orange glowing circle because I had turned it on high and turned on the wrong burner. It was the one under her Pyrex dish, and I just see it, and I'm like, well, that's not right. So I went and I turned it off, and when I did, you know, I, you just kind of stare at it, and and as I was watching it kind of cool off, it cooled off fine. And then I start hearing tink, 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 tink. And I was like, so then all the family's in there. We're all looking. And I'm like, step back. I think the Pyrex dish is facing temptation. I think it's being stretched beyond its limits. Because it did. It went tink, 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 tink. Got really fast, really loud. Filled up the whole kitchen. Tink, 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 tink. And then it just went silent. And we were all just kind of standing there. And then it went, boom, and it blew up. But that, that, that moment is such a great picture of your testing. It is. You feel it. You feel the boom, the stretching, the tear. You begin to, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. They're going to make me. Uh, they're, they're stretching me. They're tempting me. Don't, you know, don't make me do it, you know, uh, or whatever. And we feel those creases, and we feel like we're being stretched in temptation. And there comes that moment where we, we just give in. And then the explosion happens. It's crack, 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 crack. And you've been holding on, and then you just bleh. You let it go. You let it fly. You found the edge. You found the limits. And you've, you've not remained under. You've not endured. And you've let it go. And sin comes out of your mouth or out of your actions or fills your mind. You know, maybe the stretching was a mental one. We often just think about our physical stretchings. Maybe the stretching is, I... I allow myself to think unkind things about people. And I allow those sinful thoughts to sit there. I, I battled them. And I, I remember all the time I tell people when they sin, I said, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to take control of your thoughts. You've got to control your thoughts. Well, I can't do that. Okay, you've already lost. You've already lost. If you already think you can't control them, you've already lost. And you call Jesus a liar. Because he tells us to take all our thoughts captive through obedience to Christ. So one of you is right and one of you is wrong. Are you right or is Jesus? Jesus is right. All right, well then take captive your thoughts for obedience to Jesus Christ. And so you try to do that. And you're like, okay. I'll, like someone, no one would ever struggle with. So I'm like, let's say I'm mad at Zach. And everyone's like, that's ridiculous. Uh, let's say I'm mad at Zach. He did something. I'm just, Zach. Let me just praise Zach right here. Like, even as I was making that example, in all the 20 years that I've known, I don't think he's ever done anything. In, like, 20 years. It's wild. Uh, you're such a blessing. Anyway, but let's say he has. This is totally multiverse Zach. I've done, Zach has done something and offended me, and I've tried to think good thoughts about him. I've tried to not get mad at him. I've tried to, hey, buddy. I've tried to, you know, really battle, you know, the a root of bitterness, you know, like we talk about. But the moment I start letting those thoughts sit there, then I can battle them for a long time and they start to stretch me. Maybe he does something that stretches me. And maybe what's happening is he's done something. He may have no idea that he's done it. He may have no idea that he's stretching me. Uh, but I, the, the stretching happens and eventually what do I do? I just let the thoughts in. I just let myself think it. 
And then I become proud because I'm not doing anything about it. But the truth is I have allowed the stretching to take me beyond and I've fallen into the temptation. So when we're talking about temptation, we're talking about this stretching to do or to think or to, or, 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 or what, in, to commit a sin. That's the temptation. Being stretched to where you end up in the end committing a sin. This is what we're asking the Lord not to lead us into. Don't lead me into this testing that might stretch me and that I might fail. Because what, what is true of all this? We do not want to fail the Lord. I, I, would, I would dare say, hopefully, that among us, when we think about our sin, the thing that pains us most isn't that we've let ourselves down and it isn't that we've let others down, although those things should pain you. But the thing that pains us the most in our sin is that we have let the Lord down. That we have failed him. That against you and you only have I sinned sort of idea. And so as Christians, when we're coming to the father and we're saying, don't lead me into temptation. That's what we don't want. We've seen how good our father is. We've been praying to him. We've been asking him these things. We've been seeking forgiveness. And now we're like, forgive me, but don't let me keep on sinning. Forgive me, but don't stretch me because I don't want to just go. This is one of the things we struggle with as Christians. And we've taught this to people. We don't want to just go to God as some sort of forgiveness fountain where we can just keep sinning knowing that the verse right above don't lead me into temptation is forgive me. Forgive me my trespasses. And so we know God's going to forgive. So so we we don't even stretch. Our stretching is like this. It's like when Mr. David was first teaching the kids to stretch before soccer. And some of them were stretching and their stretching was like this. You know, I'm like, that's not stretching anything. And David's like, here, let me help you. And they're like, ah, you know, touch your toes. Our stretching. So often we give in before even the point of stretching. Before it even happens. this, this, This idea of being tempted, coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, don't, don't stretch me beyond what I can bear. Don't tempt me because I want, I want to live for you. I don't want to just treat you. I don't want to just remember, for, he's going to forgive my debts. He's going to forgive my debts. I don't want to have any debt to forgive. I don't want to have failed you. I don't want to just keep adding every day debt after debt after debt just because I know you're going to forgive. And so one of the things, if Christian, if you hate your sin, here's your prayer. If you hate your sin, here it is. The first thing you can pray, the first thing God leads us in understanding our temptation and our failures is to come and say, lead me not into temptation. Don't lead me into the stretching. Don't lead me into the testing. Don't take me to the trial. Instead, deliver me from it. Deliver me from evil. And I want us to be a people that don't have to all, that don't always have to go back to the fifth prayer request. The fifth one. Forgive us our debts. I want us to saturate ourselves in this sixth thing of Lord, please don't even lead me to the stretching. Don't lead me to the temptation. Instead, Instead, deliver me.
So that's, that's temptation. But what about, the, what about the leading? What does it mean for God to, to lead us? Here again is another interesting word when it says lead us not. The word here for lead is, is not so much our idea of leading someone as in, you know, sort of directing them to something. There's actually a different Greek word uh, for that. The word here literally just means to bring someone to something. And, and, and I, you know, I often, I mean, if it wouldn't just totally throw us off to say, do not bring me into temptation, I would, I would love that, that translation because it's less, this request is less about, you know, sort of pointing someone somewhere and saying, here, let me lead you to this. And this word is more about taking someone somewhere. For example, this is the word used in Luke chapter 12, where it says, and when they, when they bring you, before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities. Well, here when we said, if we said when they, when they lead you, this isn't people going, hey, you know, over here, you'll find the, the synagogues, rulers, and authorities. Can you please travel this way? You know, hey, captives, let me just, I'm just going to direct you if you'd like to go that way. What's the picture there? That's why it's translated bring. The picture is they have seized you and placed you in it. And that's really the picture in this verse. Don't place me in the midst of the testing. And that's the, that's the, that's the wordplay here. Don't bring me into it. What are we going to ask God to do? Deliver me out of it. So it's pick me up. Don't put me down in it. Pull me up out of it. When we talk about God delivering us from evil, we don't talk about God sort of directing us away from evil. We want him to lift us up out of the miry pit. We want him to put our feet on solid ground. And so the first part of this is, God, do not bring me, do not plant me in the temptation. This is the the same word used in Luke chapter 5. We all love this story. When the friends bring their friend to see Jesus, it says, and behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him and lay him before Jesus. They're not leading their paralytic friend and saying, hey, Jesus is over there. Hey, buddy. He's, yep, he's right over there. Come on. Come on. You can do it. That's not, what are they doing? They are picking him up, moving him, and placing him in front of uh, Christ. And, and again, I think that is a more accurate picture uh, of of this word is this idea of God, do not bring me to the testing. Instead, deliver me from it. Uh, Lord, don't plant me in it. So when we're praying, God, don't lead me into temptation. We're asking God, God, do not put me in the midst of a temptation. Do not put me there. In fact, instead, pull me out of one. Pull me out of it. That's why I love the parallel here. And the parallel doesn't work if God is just sort of, you know, you know, opening a, a door for some temptation and then opening a door for our deliverance. That's not what God does when he delivers. He rips us out. He, he rips us out of the situation. And here we're asking God, don't put me in a tempting situation. Don't put me, don't bring me to temptation. Uh, and we're going to see why God would never do that. I cut my sermon in half and now I'm cutting my half and a half uh, because, man, temptation is such a good picture of our spiritual life. So we're going we're gonna to stop right there looking at what temptation is, looking at our stretching, and here's why. 
we, we can get into, we're, we're about to get into all that, all that God does, all that he understands about our temptations. But I want to start out with what you understand about your temptation. I want to start out with what you know about your stretching. And I want us to take some time to pray for where we are being stretched right now. Okay, so let's take a moment and let's pray. We're asking God, God, do not bring me into temptation. Don't bring me to the stretching because I don't want to fail. So the first thing I want you to do is I want you to just pray to God and say, God, help keep me from failing. Help keep me from falling into sin. Keep me from it, Father. Certainly don't bring me to it. So God, do not bring me into any temptation. And when you pray that, again, it, part of me, even in saying that, wants to, trans, wants to say it in a way that makes it something that could even be possible. You're like, God would never do that. So when I say, God, God, you know, this is God putting you in a temptation, you're going, he would never do that. I'm telling you right now, praise God for that being true. Right now, praise your God that he will never bring you to a temptation. He will never plant you in the midst of a temptation. That God's desire for you is never your failure. And we're going to see all the ways that he is going to protect you and deliver you and mitigate what your temptations are brought into your life. But rejoice that your God is not working for your failure. And all you have to do is take a comparative religions class. I would not encourage you to do that. Uh, All you have to do is buy a book on other religions and see this world is filled with religions Fake religions where their gods do that all the time. And they use that as excuses for why they fail. Our God will never, ever do that to us. Our God is never seeking our failure. Thank God right now that he is ever on your side in the battle against sin. He is never setting traps for you. He's never deceiving you. He's never yearning for your failure. He's never going to, he knows your boundaries. He knows your limits. And he is never going to rip you like a sheet of paper just to show you how much less you are than him. There is a praiseworthiness in just knowing that our God will never lead us into temptation. He will never bring us to a thing that will destroy us. And the second thing I want you to do while we still are thinking about that, I want you to think about where you are being stretched. What temptations are you facing right now? I mean, right now we're in the midst of a, of a worship service, so I assume none of you are facing you know, physical temptations right now that you're tempted to go and do right now. But if you weren't here and if the situation were different, are there certain things that you've really been battling that you feel like you've, you're stretched thin on? Could it be that you feel stretched 
at home. You've been working and doing and giving and sacrificing and, and, and raising up small image bearers of the Lord. And that's hard. And you feel sometimes like you just want to let it go and say or do or run or whatever. Are you a father who's being stretched thin by having to provide? By having to lead? You don't even have to just keep the home stable. You've got to lead it. And you've tried to lead in Bible studies and you've tried to lead your wife and she's not following and they're not following and you're talking but it doesn't seem like anybody's listening. And you're stretched and you just want to quit. You just want to give up. You want to give up on her. You want to give up on them. You just want to bring your paycheck. Wait till they all graduate and let's just keep peace in the home. Because leading is a stretching. Even though that's what you're commanded to do, you are tempted to stop it. You have been stretched thin. Some of you have been stretched by your job to do things that you never thought you would do. And it's so easy for us to turn our life into our work instead of our life is in Christ and we work for him. And so every part of my labor at my job is for him. But because we have so many other things pushing on us, it stretches us to where even our identity is found around our jobs instead of found around Christ. And through this, I could go through a thousand stretchings and not touch the one you're dealing with. Not touch the place where you feel stretched right now. But the good thing is, You don't need me to point out your stretching for you to know where you're being tested, where your limits are at right now, where you're tempted to fail. You know what actions, what thoughts, what attitudes you've been really struggling with and you're being stretched and you want to blame others and you want to blame God and you want to, but the truth is you don't need to worry. What you need to do is go to your Lord and admit the stretching. And cry out to him to deliver you from that evil. Because you know if you snap, you know if you quit, that it is sin, that it would be evil. And so Christians, you're looking at that. Don't just look at it and keep being stretched and keep being stretched and pretend like nothing's going to happen. Know what will happen if you give in. Know the evil that you will commit against your God. If you find beyond your limits, so run to your father right now and admit, I am stretched here. Don't lead me into temptation. Deliver me from evil. Help me with my stretching. Help me with me finding my limits because they look so, so close. And I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to fail myself. I don't want to fail my family. I don't want to fail my friends. I don't want to fail my church. But I really don't want to fail you, God. And I feel like I'm on the verge of doing something stupid. Whatever your stretching is right now, go to the Lord and ask Him to deliver you.
And think of the kindness of your God to even show you what the stretching is. Because the devil, he's a, he is a tricky tempter. And he will stretch you and make you think that you're fine. He will stretch you and the whole time tell you, you're fine, you're fine, you're in the right, it's okay, you're in the right, you should say this, you should do this, you're right, you're right. And the next thing you know, boom. But the Holy Spirit's not telling you that right now. When you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, where am I being stretched? God does not lie to you. He does not hide these things from you. He shows you exactly, exactly what you're struggling with because he's a good father. He's a good father. And he doesn't want you to sin. He hates sin and he loves you. So what he shows you, thank him for showing you. Ask him to deliver you. And then rejoice. Rejoice that he will never fail you. Father, we come to you today, Father. We are stretched, it seems, Father, in various times, so many ways. Some of us, even as I'm talking about a stretching, we might be thinking, Father, of 10 or 15 ways that we're being stretched, Lord. The various things that are pulling at us. And Father, we don't want to sin. We want to live for you and for your glory, Father. We, want, we don't want to have to ask that fifth request. We want to be living for you in everything. We want to be living holy lives. We want a faith that causes us to be obedient. We want to be able to say, I have taken every thought captive in obedience to Christ. We want to win the battle of the body, the battle of the mind. Because we love you. And we're your image bearers. We even bear your name. We bear the name of your son. We dare to bear the name of your son and call ourselves Christians. And so we want to live like Christ. We want, to, we want our lives to speak well of him. And so, Father, when we are stretched to the point of breaking, we cry out to you. We say, Father, do not bring us into temptation. But deliver us from evil. Don't bring us into it. Rescue us out of it. That's our prayer today, Father. We rejoice that you are never a God who will tempt us to fail. You're never a God who seeks evil for us. You always seek our good. And that good is showing us where we're stretched and delivering us from evil. So we ask, Father, that you would do that for your glory, for our good, for the good of your name, for the good of our brothers and sisters who look to us, who are encouraged by us, for the good of our families, for the good of our spouses. We ask that you would do this. Help us, Father, for we are stretched. Deliver us from evil. In Christ's name we pray, amen.